Well, good morning and welcome again. These guys, these guys were, were really bringing it to us this morning, weren't they? Can we just give them a, give them a hand? Thank you. Thank you. So we all have gifts, right? The Holy Spirit gives us gifts, and he gifts the body to serve one another in love. It's easy to see how guys that get on the platform have gifts, or people that get on the platform have gifts. A lot of times there's, there's maybe only one or two guys, and there's women on the platform with gifts. It's easy to see those in the front with gifts. But, you know, we all have gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. And we use those gifts to serve the body, and as the body, we serve, we serve as the church, and we serve the community. So this morning, we're talking about the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. The first week, we said the way of Jesus was the way of love, and then the way of Jesus is the way of prayer. The third week, last week, we said the way of Jesus is the way of service, And this morning, the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. There's two realities when we think about this. Uh, We we often think of the first one, and the first one is that the way of Jesus is the way of the cross, and the way of the cross is the way of suffering, right? We know as believers that that, uh, we get suffering given at no extra charge for being a follower of Jesus Christ. There's no extra charge for the suffering, and it's absolutely going to be there. The problem is when we think that it either shouldn't be there or or we shouldn't be involved in it, or we try to pray ourselves or deliver ourselves out of it very quickly before it can do its work in us. But the one, the other reality of the cross that we often don't think about, and we're going to look at this morning in just a minute, is the fact that Jesus on the cross shows us who God really is. Jesus on the cross. We see God. We see God. I wanted to say the best of God. There's no best, right? There's no best of God. We, I mean, we see, uh, to me, we see God truly defined toward humanity in Jesus on the cross. And we are called as followers of Jesus and as the body of Christ, we're called to live out that same self-sacrificing love and, and service that Jesus shows us on the cross. So every once in a while when I prepare a message, I'll be thinking of something and, and, I'll, and I'll wonder, is that, has that ever been said before? Or is it on the internet somewhere? And so I'll, I'll just type it in. And, and I thought of something. Somebody was in my office the other day and, and I thought of this and I wrote it down. Change is the smoke that the fire of faith produces. James chapter 2, right? Faith without works is dead. And so if somebody has faith, but they never change, change is the smoke that the fire of faith produces. And I put quotes around it, and I looked it up, and it's nowhere on the internet. It must be so good that I'm the only one that thought of it, right? (laughs) So the, the teaching is just, you know, a million years old, but it's just the way I... So I looked up the way of Jesus is the way of the cross, and I came up with this old black and white picture. There's actually like 80 different references to it online, in quotes, that the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. This is nothing new. I, I mean, I didn't see it anywhere and pull it in. I just thought of it, but me and a, a whole bunch of other people 
have thought of it and have written about it in books and in writings over the last, probably the last two millennia. That the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. It is the way of suffering. And if we go into Matthew chapter 26, we see Jesus in a spot that's familiar to us, the garden, right? The garden of Gethsemane, where he goes out the night he was betrayed. He goes out with his disciples. They go up on the Mount Mount of Olives and they go to this garden. And Jesus asks his disciples to just pray. And he's going to go off and he'll, he'll come right back, but please pray for me. He knows what he's facing, and it says in verse uh, 39 of Matthew 26, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. I think we could also read this verse, now not literally translated, but the meaning would be the same, my father, if it is possible, may this cross be taken from me. Because Jesus was not at all like enamored with going to the cross. Jesus the man, right? Jesus the human. Because he was 100% man and 100% God. And I guarantee you the 100% man was praying right here. If it's possible, I don't want to go through this. And then he goes back. He gets with his disciples again and they disappoint him. And he says a second time, he went away a second time. In verse 42, and he prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. I think we could, all, we could also read this, my father, if it is not possible for this cross to be taken away unless I die on it, may your will be done. Jesus wasn't crazy about the cross. And he was, I mean, we all know that At some point in heaven, before he left the Father and the Spirit, and he came and incarnated with us, we know that they talked about this. I mean, we know that this was a plan. How is it then that Jesus is asking, is there any way we can, like, is there a plan B? (laughs) And what were the Father and the Spirit saying to each other, looking down at Jesus, the God-man, when he's asking for a plan B. I don't want to make light of it. I mean, you think the Father wished there were a plan B? I mean, if at, if at any time the, the Trinity, the triune God, wished there were a plan B, that would have been the time when the Father has to look at the Son down in the garden, sweating great drops of blood, his friend's not really helping him, and he's asking, you know, could you take this away? What would you as a dad say, dads? You would move heaven and earth to get your son out of that situation. I would. Apparently it wasn't possible. Sorry, son, it's not possible. There's no plan B. That's why, Christ, that's why Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 1. In, uh, well, throughout 1 Corinthians 1, powerful chapter. But he said in verse 17, when, when Christians, followers of Jesus back then, they already started getting in line behind their favorite leaders. 
I am of Apollos, you know, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, I'm of Peter. And Paul is writing to them and he's like, this is not the way it goes. This is not, and he says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. So you don't have any more reason to congregate behind me and do this Paul cult. I mean, some of you would have favorite, uh, favorite internet pastors or media pastors that you like to listen to. I do. Some of you would have your favorite uh, music groups, Christian groups, Christian bands, whatever, vocalists, singers. I do. But do we ever let them divide us from other believers? Oh, you listen to that one? Oh, you follow this one? Oh, you like that one? Or you... Do we ever do it in town? Where, oh, well, we go to this church. Well, we go to that church. There's one church. Right? There's one church. We may get in different buildings. There is one church. It's horrible. It's horrible. When we think, oh, I go here and I don't want to go there because they've got this or I go here. I only go here because I'm the pastor. That's the only reason I come here. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that, is that bad to say? I'm the pastor, so, so I'm here. But if I weren't the pastor and I would be coming here, God help me to be committed to here, to the, to the family of believers, to the people that we are one with where we're all part. We're all different parts of the one body. But Paul was saying, you know, don't do this. Don't get behind these different people. There's one Jesus. And he says, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with wisdom and eloquence. Or the cross of Christ will be emptied of its power. Therefore, there must be power in the cross of Christ. There's got to be power in that. He says in the next statement, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And I, and I almost wonder, did he also have in mind the, the cross and people perishing on the cross? And the message of a cross is going to be foolishness to them. They're dying on it. This is not, there's nothing good about the message of the cross. I mean, when you look at, uh, go to that previous verse, verse 17. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power, lest the electric chair of Christ be emptied of its power. Lest the gas chamber of Christ be emptied of its power. Lest the lethal injection of Christ be emptied of its power. Those, are, those don't sound right, do they? Like the cross, we, oh, the cross, the cross. It wasn't actually the cross itself, right? We know that, right? We wear crosses and we we put crosses up. Not because they're crosses, but because of what happened on the cross. And not just because of what happened on the cross, because there were a lot of crosses, but because of who was on the cross that had it happen to him. Just like Jesus once said, well, it's not the gold. You swear by the gold on the altar at the temple. It's not the gold on the altar. It's not even the altar. It's the God to whom the sacrifices are given that makes it holy. So it's not the cross that's holy. It's who was on the cross. It's the Savior who was on the cross. 
So when we talk about the cross of Christ, it is, it is literally the, the work of Christ, the suffering of Christ, the atonement of Christ on the cross that would be emptied of its power if it's up to my eloquence or your great use of your gift to serve the body, if it's up to that. No, that, it's not up to that. It's up to the power of the cross, the power of the death of Christ, the power of the work of Jesus, his resurrection, etc. For the message, verse 18, of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. It's the power of God. The work of Jesus on the cross, the death of Jesus for our sins, that is the power of God. Now, Getting back to those two things, let's look at those two things, the the suffering that is at no extra charge when you sign up to be a disciple, and the fact that Jesus shows us God so clearly in his purest motivation, in his deepest love on the cross, dying sacrificial death for us. Uh, So you got to look in your Bibles now, it's not going to be on the screen, the first one is Hebrews chapter 1. So, so there's just uh, basically three, three short passages I want to, you to look at. Hebrews chapter 1. By the way, Hebrews is an awesome book. In Hebrews it says that the law of Moses is obsolete. Think about that for a little bit. In Hebrews it says that Jesus took, took his blood and he took it to the, the uh, tabernacle in heaven, not the one here made with hands, but he took it to the holy place in heaven and he offered his blood one time, once for all time for the sins of the world. That's in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, we're just going to look at these first four verses. First three, actually. In the past, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. He's heir of all things. He made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Saying a lot of great things about the sun here, about Jesus. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So look at what it says about him. He's the heir of all things. All things are going to him. He's the one through whom the universe was made. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And then just kind of tucked in here before he sits down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, tucked in here is that he provided purification for sins. In all this like glorious stuff, it's stated that he provided purification for sins. What was that? That was the cross. That yucky, gross, filthy, disgusting, deathly, ghastly cross. But it's just remarked in here with all these other things. Why? Because all the great things that Jesus did, the cross is is the greatest. But among the fact that he created everything, he sustains everything, he sits down at the right hand of God, 
the cross is right in there. Because on the cross, Jesus shows us who God is. God is the one who created everything. It's all coming to him. He's sitting in heaven. But he's also, he's not so transcendent. He's not so uppity up there that he was so good that he couldn't come down and die on the cross for us. What are you so uppity up there, up there that you can't do? What am I so uppity up there that I can't do? There better not be anything. Because Jesus, the exact representation of the Father, comes to the cross and shows us who God really is. God is the one who dies for his enemies. He's the one who loves unconditionally. Now flip back to uh, Philippians chapter 2, just a few pages before that. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. This speaks about Jesus again because it says, and this speaks to us, you know, this self-sacrificing love of God, we are commanded as believers, as followers of Jesus, to know that that's the road we're going to have to travel. The way of the cross is our highway too. Philippians 2, 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, there it is again, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Here's here's God making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, humbling himself, becoming obedient to death, yes, death on a cross. Now, I don't know, for my kids, I want good stuff. I like it when my kids succeed. I like it when they, get, they go from one job to a better job. I like it when my kids get a home and have a kid and they have a happy marriage. I like that when that happens. That's not what Jesus did, though. See, because what I like, what I like, I like the American dream. That's what I like. I mean, I guess the first step in fixing a problem is defining it, right? My name is Jeff, and I like the American dream for my family. But you know what? The American dream is not the call of God. It's not the call of the disciple. The way of the disciple is the way of the cross. I have to be just as excited when suffering comes into my life or my family's life for the work of God that it will accomplish. And even as I'm saying that, I'm like, I know that fundamentally in here. I know that when suffering comes, when hardship comes, one of my kids is just going through just hardship, suffering. Well, I'm hurt for that child. I also know you're going to get something from this suffering that nothing else, no soft landing will ever get you. You're going to grow. You're going to be better. You're going to be stronger. Your faith is going to be stronger. Your compassion is going to be greater. Your understanding is going to be deeper because of the suffering, because the way of the cross produces that, that the way of the mattress just doesn't. So, in verse 9 of of, uh, Philippians 2, therefore God exalted him to the highest place because of this 
lessening of himself, God exalts him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He who humbles himself, she who humbles herself, will be not what one of my kids said when they were little, those who humble themselves will be exhausted. No, those who humble themselves will be exalted. We don't exalt ourselves, we humble ourselves. Jesus humbled himself and the Father exalted him. Now listen, there is not much more humiliation that can be had than getting put up on a cross. Like, like why we put crosses up, you know, that part of it is just weird. But it's our culture, so we do it. We, we understand it. We, we get it. But if we were to really think about it, it is a little bit strange. If somebody from the, the, the middle part of the first century were to come and see the crosses, they'd be like, ooh, why do you have it on your back wall and those things? You know what? That's, yeah, that's yucky. Uh, okay, we'll put up a crown of thorns. And we put up a crown of thorns too. Well, it reminds us, just like this reminds us. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But the cross is a symbol of hardship and suffering. So let's go to the passage you really thought I was going to go to. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 22. Just three verses here. Luke chapter 9 verses 22 through 24. Jesus said to his disciples, who, who, do, who are people saying that I am? And they're like, well, this, that. Well, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. In this passage, you are you're God's Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're it, Jesus. You're the one we've been looking for. And Jesus said, don't talk, don't tell anybody. It's my news to steward. It's my news to speak out. I'm going to deal with it. I've got a, a mission here. Don't you tell anybody. So he strictly warned them in verse 21 not to tell this to anyone. In verse 22, he says, the Son of Man has to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And the disciples at that point are like, okay, this is news to us, Jesus, Everybody's going to reject you and you're going to be killed? You know, just wait a cotton-picking minute here about this discipleship stuff. We don't know if we're ready to do that. Now you're saying that if we want to follow you, we have to deny ourselves, we have to take up our cross daily and follow you? He tells them, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Somehow, in certain cultures, we've disinfected the message of the gospel that includes free, the free gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins, but it also includes this commitment to follow a Savior who might have us walk the way of the cross. In, verse, in uh, Luke chapter 14, it's the last passage we're going to look at, Luke chapter 14, just uh, Three verses here. Verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And Luke records this in, in, it could have been two times, it could have been the same time, and he records it twice. 
turning to them, turning to the large crowds, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person, such a person, it's almost like he had a name, but he didn't put the name in. You might know somebody, but such a person, maybe it's you, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Then he tells a story about the builder and about the military person, and if they don't, if they don't count the cost, it's not going to be good. And he says in verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. What do we do with this passage? I mean, this is not, this is not an American church passage. This is not a United States 2018 Christian culture passage. Like, we'll put it on mugs and shirts, and then we'll, we'll paraphrase it and we'll say, do hard things. Do hard things. How many of you have a mug? Don't tell me. How many of you have a mug that says, do hard things, right? You keep it on your desk at work. You keep the message turned to the back of the cubicle so nobody can see, do hard things. Or you have a t-shirt that says, do hard things. We understand that doing hard things is good. Only by doing hard things do we ever really get anywhere or accomplish anything. Doing easy things doesn't get us very far. And that Jesus, this is Jesus' message The only way you can follow me is if you're willing to suffer, is if you're willing to exhibit self-sacrificing love for others. In fact, Jesus said, I'm giving you one command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's a big command. That's a huge command. Not just love one another the way you want to love, but as I have loved you. So, I don't know as a pastor sometimes what I'm supposed to do with this kind of a passage. Because people in churches complain about stuff. Like the lighting, the heat, junk like that, you know. You know, right? You hear it, people tell you stuff, they don't tell me. We can, in America, you know, we, just, we, we, we complain about stuff. When Jesus is putting this out, and this kind of like is a couple notches above the temperature in the room. So I have a small sample of a little piece of a sliver of wood of a cross you can pick up. Um, where are you at? Uh, there, Kurt, you're in the same spot. Come on up here for a minute, Kurt. Wow, look at here. It's right here. Kurt and I did this this morning. Kurt, I sent you a text message recently, and you said, Jeff, you're scaring me. Tell, I, I did. <laughs> tell, tell the folks what I sent you. Pastor was looking for some people to assist with the van ministry on Wednesday nights, and he was uh, trying to encourage me to do this, and my response to his text was, Jeff, you're, you're scaring me. And he sent back a little emoji with tears coming down his face, crying, <laughs> or laughing at me, wait, I guess. Wait, wait, didn't I send you the clown emoji? Yes, the clown, yeah, yeah. The evil clown emoji, right, on the iPhone, right? My favorite emoji. Um, we needed help. 
we need help bringing kids here. So when I was a kid, I used to get picked up to go to midweek church stuff when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15. And there used to be this van that picked me up, this guy that was like two miles around the corner from me that would go to this church. He had an electric company. His name was Bill, and it said Bill's Electric on the side of the, of the van. And so on the side of this van, there was a picture of gym shorts, and it said, let us fix your shorts, right? He must have got a charge out of that or something. I don't know. But Bill's Electric, right? So, so Bill would stop, and the van would open up on the side, and he had this, like, this six- or eight-foot ladder in the van, and it was uh, bungee-corded to the side of the van, and I liked it because I could sit on the ladder while we drove the 12 miles to the church. And sometimes if I got in late and there were other kids in there, I'd always, I'd always look at the ladder because if the ladder, like birds on a, on, a, on a telephone line, if the ladder was full, that meant I had to sit on the tools and whatever else was there. But this guy used to pick me up in this van. It's not legal anymore, right? We can't do that. We used to like fill the, fill the van, you know, Tuesday night stuff. We, we can't do that anymore. So we've got three vans, right? And I was in a pinch and I called on you and some others who also said yes. I won't mention maybe like Ed Clement or somebody else who might be in the room. But he's also gotten involved. But you two guys have gotten involved, and you've done two weeks so far. This morning in the first service, I thought it was three weeks. But it seems like forever, right? But it's only been two. Tell me about uh, your experience so far. Uh, the first week, it was a little scary. <laughs> Pastor Jeff driving. I was a navigator. I had never been. Uh, we went to a trailer court north of town, and we're picking up kids. And I was in charge of keeping track of who was getting in the van, but I didn't know any of these kids, and they're just piling in. And I'm looking at him like, "Really?" And, and they don't always give you their real <laughs> no, name. No, right? no. They, they they like to play. They like to mess with you a little bit. Yeah. What's your name, Abraham Lincoln? Okay. What's your real name? <laughs> so, but the story. The second week, I came back. And uh, David's not here this morning, but David was the driver of the van the second week. And there was a vast difference between the way the second week went from the first week. Well, it can't be that different. Uh, David does a good job. David does a phenomenal job. If you see him, pat him on the back. He's been doing this a long time. Uh, the, the biggest difference I could see was David, and not that you don't, but David expresses unconditional love to those kids when they get in the van while we're driving, when they get out of the van, when they get back in, when they go back home. He's constantly reaffirming he loves those kids. And even on the way home this last Wednesday, those kids from the back of the van said, David, you are our best, you are our favorite van driver. And that happens because they're returning that love and respect to him. And that spoke very powerfully to me that that's really all it takes because probably some of these kids really don't give love and, a lot of love and respect from where they're coming from. So, so tremendous ministry, very important. The first week, you sang a song with them. I did. Just sing a little of that song. No, please. Oh, <laughs> come on. It's a moment. That'd be a moment. 
Here, I'll, I'll, I'll do the. Will I'll you do, do the, the echo? I'll, this is the yeah. only time you'll ever hear me sing in church. Okay. So this is this is the bear song. He sang right? this song to the kids on the way back. Right. Okay. Here right. we go. The other day. The other day. I met a bear. I met a bar. Out in the woods. Out in the woods. Away out there. Away out there. The other day I met a bear out in the woods. Away out there. And there's like 20 verses to I this song. I was gonna song. say. <laughs> there are so many verses. I was wondering if we were going to finish by the time we got back to the church. It was good, though. They were singing. But I missed the verse where, I missed the verse that was the salient, like when the action actually yeah. took place between you and the bear. You want me to sing that verse, too? Let's just sing it. <laughs> okay. Okay, you ready? Okay. Then up ahead, then up ahead, I saw a tree. I saw a tree. A great big tree. A great big tree. Oh, glory be. Oh, glory be. Next verse. And so I jumped. And so I jumped. Up in the air. Up in the air. But I missed that branch. But I missed that branch. Oh, way up there. Oh, way up there. Next but verse. don't you fret. Don't, don't you fret. And don't you frown. And don't you frown. Because I caught that branch. I caught that branch? On the way back down. On the way back down. <laughs> so, using... I'm driving and I'm hearing this guy say, I'm like, this is, this is what I'm talking about, giftedness with kids, because your heart was right there with these kids. So I'm going to let you sit down. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. Um, I'm, I'm one of those kids. I'm one of those kids. I've told you this before. You know, I'm the one that the, they pick up, and I sat on the, on the ladder. I didn't have family that were coming. They would pray for my family to come. My family never came to church. To this day, my family never came to church, but I did. So here's, here's our ask. We, we send these vans out. So now three 15-passenger vans go out, and minivans follow them because they, we can't fit them all in the van. And sometimes we've had the minivan will go, and they'll fill that up first, and then it'll drop, and then it'll go back. So you've got in one spot, you've got a 15-passenger van and two minivans worth bringing the kids back. We just need more help. We need more people to love these kids. Two, you could come and you can ride it because we've got to take two in every vehicle, two adults in every vehicle. Sometimes we just need that other adult or we can't send that vehicle out. I might have a vehicle with, you know, seven seats in it, but I, I can't take it out unless I have another adult. So we're looking for a list of people who are willing to help, who are willing to bear that little, smooth, sanded off, non-slivery cross and love our community. Because when you go out, when you go out, you get connected to these families. This is an easy way to get connected to these families. It's like they want you to come. They want you to get their kids. So I went on South Fifth Avenue this past week, and there were supposed to be four kids. Instead of four, there were seven. And there were three new ones that weren't on the previous list of of six, so now we've got nine kids in this one spot. It's almost an, an, almost enough for another van. I talked yesterday to Gary Benedict. Gary Benedict was, became a Christian through the ministry of Community Heights. He worked at Maytag. He lived here in Newton. He became a believer through this church. He left this church, some of you remember him, he left this church 50 years ago. 1968, he moved away from Newton. He became a pastor, a district superintendent in the Alliance. He became the president of one of the Alliance Bible colleges, and he became the president of the denomination 
the president of the alliance. Out of this church, this guy became a believer, and he went off, and he did all these things. The kids getting in these vans, there could be a future pastor and missionary and, and president. There could be a future business owner who treats his, kid, his employees really well. There could be a future husband and wife, a nurse, a doctor, whoever. There could be somebody who bags groceries at the grocery store, puts the roof on for you, but loves Jesus while they're doing it. They're all showing up every Wednesday night. We, we just need more people to say, yeah, I want to love my community. I want to I be part of the community in Community Heights, right? When we see these kids... I can, man, I can just go, I can go in a vehicle. So we need a list. We got, two, we got two takers this morning after the first service. So now we've got two more for the list. Gina LaFleur will love you if she can put you on a list and create a calendar so that we've got extra people. We've got people that are subs, people to love the kids that were just like me and maybe just like some of you. So... The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. We're a fairly long way from suffering the way Jesus did. And last week our ask was to be a part of what we're doing on October the 7th to train some people to greet the people that come in so that when people just come to us, we know what to do with them. And this week we're asking you to be a part of bringing kids here to church on Wednesday nights. And yes, it's messy. Yes. Yes. It's very messy. It's the gospel. The gospel is messy. Love is messy. The kids don't listen. They tell you they're Abraham Lincoln and they're not. You don't know who they are. Um, I was messy. Love is messy. It's okay to be a messy church if we're doing it in Jesus' name, empowered by his spirit, and loving with the kind of love that put him to the cross. So I just want to encourage you. Sign up. Sign up. Send any of us pastors an email, office at communityheights.org. Stop in the office. Go in the directory and find Gina LaFleur's number. Call her. She'd be happy to write your name down. Let's pray. And then Pastor John's going to come and we're going to share in communion. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to share in communion this, this practice that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And in doing this, we proclaim his death until he comes. We proclaim the work of the cross. We proclaim our great Savior. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we take this bread and juice, we would remember as a body together, all of us the same, all of us needy coming to you, we would remember your suffering, your death, and your resurrection, all to take our sins away. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.